Welcome to episode 20 of Night Shift as the London Knights add two more wins to their total in 2022-2023 as we look back at last weekend. Later this week, the Knights getting set for their final two games before the holiday break against the Owen Sound Attack and against the Flint Firebirds. My name is Mike Stubbs along with Kyle Grimard. You can find Kyle on socials at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. You can find me at Stubbs 980, two B's in Stubbs, and you can find this show, you found it already, but maybe there's an easier way. Anywhere you find <laughs> your podcast, Kyle, we had the Knights taking on the Ottawa 67s and the Peterborough Peets on successive nights. If we look back to the start of this year, nobody, nobody was hotter than Ottawa, an 18-1 and start. Peterborough began the year eight and four, and then they added Brendan Othman. Now, he didn't play with the London Knights on the weekend because he was busy making Team Canada for the World Junior Hockey Championship, and he's done that. Still, the Peterborough Peets were a big challenge. They're a team that's kind of been in the in the throes of finding wins lately. They now have just one win in their last eight, but this is a big team. We're going to be talking about that, but I think, Kyle, people are still talking about what happened with the Knights in the 67s, because if you look at this on paper, it says London won, Ottawa nothing in a shootout, and your first inclination would be, all right, moving right along. There's no way this game is interesting in any way one goal was scored in the shootout that was it but coming into Saturday walking around the concourse so many Knights fans were talking about the fact that this one to nothing game might have been one of the most interesting fascinating games they had seen even though it only had the one goal well, you know, I think I think one nothing games, Mike, go very under the radar in terms of entertainment because the tension gets built as the game goes along and there's not a goal and every chance gets that much more intense and every opportunity, every power play is amplified. And in games like you just don't see games like these anymore as well. So we're not as accustomed to seeing those one nothing performances, especially when it comes down to the shootout. But I we can't talk about a one nothing sh- uh, shutout win in the shootout without starting this conversation with Brett Brochu. He is hitting new levels all the time, and we'll hear from him in just a minute or two, but can we talk about him for a second? Brett Brochu, when you break things down, going back over this stretch that has seen the London Knights win 14 out of 16 games, he's been a main factor. Yes, the Knights' offense has found goals from just about everywhere and defensively sure they have certainly changed the way that they have played when you go back to the start of the season and now but Brett Brochu in goal is back to being the Brett Brochu and then some where he is out to beat you Mike and I've got a stat here for you as well that's just just indicative to how well Brett Brochu is playing over his last seven games or over his last 10 games in seven games he's allowed just 12 goals against for a goals against average of 1.7 and a save percentage of 0.942 so he has really come on i remember when the when the beginning of the season started and everyone was was questioning whether brett brochu still had it or whether you know we'd taken a step back Every time this kid is doubted, every time people doubt Brett Brochu's abilities, his his drive, his focus, 
he comes out and does something like this. And in his last seven starts, 12 goals against, a .942 save percentage, and a 1.71 goals against average. Off the charts, especially when you consider save percentages in the NHL and in the OHL have come down a bit this year for goaltenders, and you're not seeing the player, the goaltender who is leading the league in save percentage at 925. It's more like 914, 915. For him to put up those numbers, that's big. And that's Brett Brochu and what he can do for you. And in a game like the one against Ottawa, where there were chances, but as soon as one of those teams scored, they were going to make it awfully tough on the other team to tie the game. It was just one of those nights. He and, let's face it, Max Donoso, who Brett talks about, he and Max Donoso were going to make it awfully difficult. So here are Brett's thoughts following the one to nothing shootout win over Ottawa on Friday night. It was crazy. I've never been a part of a game like that in my whole career. So um, that was a first for me, especially going into overtime. No goal scored. And, you know, it wasn't like there wasn't any chances in the game, too. I thought, uh, you know, it was it was a really solid game all around. So, yeah, that was pretty crazy. You and Max came together at the end. Now, being from the same area, had you gone to any camps together, seen each other, played against each other at all growing up? Uh, so we actually went to grade school together. Like our uh, final, like my grade eight, I would practice with them um, before school three times a week. So, you know, we, we had our fair shares of ice times together. So it was pretty cool to play against him and, and have a game like that, especially against a guy that, you know, I know really well. So it was pretty cool. Is it a time when it's too bad hockey doesn't bring the nets a little bit closer so you can at least, you know, look at each other, communicate a bit? Yeah, yeah that, it, was, it was cool playing against a guy that, you know, we, I had a lot of time together with and, you know, we... we no, it was a good game. I, I think he played really well, too. So yeah. so a game like that compared to a 5-4 game, yeah. is there any difference in what you're doing in the net? Oh, I just I just think, like, a lot of it is, is to do with uh, just focus throughout the whole game, I think. And, you know, obviously in a game like that, you kind of knew, okay, one goal could really decide the game. And, you know, if, if you make a mistake here, it could really cost the team. So, you know, obviously I, I take a really good mentality into each game, no matter what the score is, if you get a couple bad bounces or whatnot. But, yeah, obviously in a game like that, you need to stay really focused and, and prepared for, you know, whatever I need to do. It's kind of like a pitcher pitching a no-hitter. I mean, you go all the way through, you go three shots in the shootout. When you got that last one, yeah. what was that feeling like? Yeah, I felt great. I was like, okay, finally, this, this game's done. With. <laughs> we finally we finally got the two points. So, no, that was nice. Uh, obviously, you know, it was a big win for us. And, uh, you know, hopefully we keep building tonight. There were a couple of rebound chances. One in the third period where you make a save and the puck doesn't go to somebody's stick. It goes off somebody's body. And they've got the barber pole uniforms with the black stripes. How did you find that? I was just kind of trying to play big and hope that, you know, I'm in the right spot at the right time, which I was luckily, because um, it hit him right in the chest, and he kind of gave it a little bit of a shoulder to, to the net, and I was lucky enough to, to get a piece of it. So, yeah, it was nice. Well, congratulations on last night. One last thing, and that is players going away to Hockey Canada's selection camp. You've been there. It, essentially, you've been there twice when, when you add it all up. How do you go into a camp like that? Yeah, I just think like being yourself is, is the biggest thing because obviously they, they pick you to go there and, and play your game. And, um, you know, a lot of times guys don't end up doing that, and that's when things don't go their way. Um, you know, I think I learned a lot my first year of doing that, and, and it worked out luckily my second year. But, um, yeah, I just think having the mentality of going there and, and doing what's best for the team, um, you know, and, and 
that goes a long way, especially in a short-term tournament. So, yeah. Thanks for this. Thanks. How about Brett Brochu? He and Max Denoso did put on a show on Friday night, and I wanted to find out about he and Max, and they went to the same elementary school together. They might be a year apart in age, but still very close growing up from the same area. And Kyle, you as a goaltender, was there ever a time when you wished the rink was maybe a little bit smaller where the nets at least were a little closer <laughs> when you had a game going against another goalie and, and it was which one of you is going to flinch first? I uh, I did. It was back when I was 16. Our uh, our rep team did a trip over to Europe. We spent 14 days. We played seven games in that time frame against some other teams uh, from Switzerland, from Germany. And we played one game outdoors against uh, a Swiss team. And the game ended in a uh, in a 3-3 tie and I remember the goalie and I didn't speak the same language but we both immediately found each other after the game because we took a photo together and just gave each other the biggest compliments because it was back forth back forth goalie makes big save goalie makes another save they come down the ice and score on me then we go down the ice and score on them and it was just a constant back and forth I think him and I easily had the most fun out of everybody else because there was a little bit of tenacity between the two teams but him and I just love the fact that we battled it out all game long and uh, we ended uh, on really good spear even though we probably didn't understand each other so good and that's that sport right there and along with the goaltending that we saw on friday night the game wouldn't have gone london's way without george diaco and george is a guy who is pretty quiet when he says something the team listens because it's usually really important but he was the guy that went out and scored the only goal of the entire game. 60 minutes of regulation, five minutes of overtime, again, trading chances in overtime, and then six shooters in the shootout. Brett Brochu stops all three. Diaco gets one by Max Donoso on the first shot of the shootout. Here is George on scoring the only goal of the game between Ottawa and London. I just went up and tried to move, and I ended up working out. Did you see a, a hole, a space? Did you react once you saw what... Max Donoso did? Yeah, for sure. I saw a 5 open up, so I just put the puck there. So the Knights come away with a big two points. And Kyle, we talked about it going in. This was a measuring stick game. And the Knights proved, hey, you want to be a team that comes in at 21-5? and five? We believe we can skate with you? They skated with them. And both both teams were missing some players. So, you know, Jack Mateer didn't play for Ottawa, but the Knights are still without Ethan McKinnon. They're still without Ryan Del Monte. They're still without Ben Bajol. So you're missing some really key pieces on this club. There's another measuring stick game if we want to take Ottawa and keep them as just that. And that's coming up at the end of January on a road trip that takes the Knights from Peterborough to Ottawa to Kingston, three games in three nights. We'll see how that works out, too. Well, the other thing, Mike, that I want to touch on in that game, too, it's not like Ottawa blew the doors off the Knights and Brett Brochu stole the game. The shots were 31-25. They weren't 45-16. to And also, Ottawa had five power play opportunities. The Knights held them without a power play goal on five opportunities. So their PK came into uh, they were a big factor in this contest as well. Another important stat, and I know we've talked about this on After the Buzzer before, but the London Knights in terms of face-offs, 29 uh, face-off wins of the 50 that were taken. That's almost 66% of the time the London Knights are coming away with the puck off the opening face-off, which means they control the play. That pays dividends down the line, especially going into uh, later in the season and if they make it the postseason. 
Ottawa and London, both really good possession teams. And then the Knights got a test, Kyle, that I think we have to look at in a certain way on Friday night. We mentioned it off the start. Peterborough hasn't been playing their best. They came into the game with just one win in seven games. They left it with one win in eight games. But this is a team that has really good size. And while the Knights do have some grit, some size, they're not as big as Peterborough. And to be able to go out and handle a team like the Peets that's going to throw that size at you, that was really important. And another one of those measuring sticks for the Knights. We'll touch on that in just a little bit. It also presented a nice little side story in that Max McHugh of the London Knights took on Sam McHugh, his younger brother, with the Peterborough Peets, and this is just, this is good stuff when this happens. Sam McHugh is in his rookie season, so he's not playing in every single game, but knowing that this was against his brother, guess what? You had Rob Wilson, former OHLer himself, putting Sam McHugh in the lineup, and we talked with Max about that. And we also talked about how his parents, who were at the game on Saturday in London, were approaching this one. Uh, yeah, I got both my parents in the crowd. My mom is more on the side. She got the jersey cut in half, so she has that. Uh, so you'll probably be able to find her pretty easy in the crowd. And then my dad's more just laid back. He doesn't really care. So he'll just kind of watch the game and have fun. So Max wound up with the bragging rights maybe after the game. He's 19. Sam is 17. Sam's got a really bright future in this game. But it uh, worked out all right on on Max's part. Three assists and a night's win over his brother. Few bragging rights. They'll meet again in Sudbury later on this season. That comes up in March. I love the fact too, Mike, about the whole uh, mom with the jersey split supporting both boys. The dad's like, ah, you know what? They're both here. This is awesome. And uh, it's it's funny when you ask a, a player about a brother because they always they wanna they wanna keep up that little banter back and forth. Well, will Max be like, ah, he'll never be as good as me. But you know, the the last thing too is the fact that you know Max is like, well, the last thing he could probably judge him when they were kids playing mini sticks maybe in the basement that's about as much tape as he has on them but uh you know max has been pretty busy with his career too so i these are always really cool opportunities when brothers get a chance or siblings get a chance to play against one another sometimes they play with one another and having the parents in the building and, and getting a chance to support both kids is uh is awesome stuff we gave Brett Brochu a lot of nods early in the podcast. Got to do the same for Zach Bowen because he was excellent. Won his fourth game in a row himself. So he's won his last four. His save percentage is now over 900 at 905. Goals against average under three. And Kyle, this wasn't as tight a game. This was trade some chances. And so you had Zach Bowen who ended up making 35 saves, you add together his last two games, 77 saves in two games in wins over Peterborough and Mississauga. Kyle, the scouts are taking note. They're writing down the name Zach Bowen. And and these are games that are coming in the midst of back-to-backs. And I know this was one, I think it was, was the first of the back-to-back, -back, but you know the game against Mississauga, I believe, came on the second half on a Sunday on the road in Mississauga. And... 
yeah, he's put he's made a lot of stops. He's faced a lot of rubber. And the big thing, too, was there was a big wave at the beginning of the first period. Peterborough shot the night 17 to 8 in the first. And after the two goals surrendered, uh, he made 15 saves on 17 shots. The next 20 shots faced in the second and third shut the door on all of them. So that's a big answering call from Zach Bowen, especially after the first period. And the Knights, too, in fairness, they came out after getting outshot 17-8 in the first period. They came back in the rese- in the second and responded by outshooting the Peets 16-6, to and they got the go-ahead goal, which ended up being the game winner. We talked about the size. You've got to battle teams that have size. You know who's really impressive when it comes to the size factor? Denver Barkey. Denver Barkey continues to play some really consistent hockey, but he will go into the corner and and he will throw a check no matter what size you are. And he's really developing that edge to his game where he's always really gone into the gray areas. But that kind of attitude, that kind of effectiveness, size did not make the difference when Peterborough had the size advantage on Saturday. So that's another one of those measuring sticks for the Knights in that they took on a team that on paper was bigger than they were, and they come out with a 5-2 win in a well-executed game, back-to-back nights. Peterborough hadn't played on the Friday, so they were more rested, and the Knights found a way, Zach Bowen playing a big part in that. Kyle, we'll preview Ottawa and Flint, the last two games that come up before the holiday break. The Knights are going to be off from the 17th of December until the 28th. Those two games, by the way, are be a fan, bring a can for the Business Cares Food Drive, so make sure if you're headed to either one, that you come with a non-perishable food item or a donation to make to help out the Business Cares Food Drive. And then the Knights return against the Erie Otters, their sixth consecutive game at home on December the 28th. Can you tell the Briars going to be played in London in March? This is the home <laughs> part of the night schedule. The road part definitely comes up in March. So we'll preview those games on the podcast that comes out later this week. But before we close out, there was a donation that was made during the game on Saturday night between the Knights and the Peets. And it came from the London Knights Alumni Foundation. And the growth of the London Knights alumni and really the the attention that's been paid to it by Mark and Dale Hunter and the number of people who come forward and assist in it and are a big part of it as the Knights continue to add more and more alumni. It's been incredible. And there was an announcement made by the London Knights Alumni Foundation, a donation made to the Children's Health Foundation. And this is one of a few that we have seen over the years. Jim Van Horn had a chance to sit down with Rick Doyle, who's a former London Knight, who's a Knights analyst on Rogers TV, and is also the president of the Knights Alumni Foundation, and talk about what went into a $100,000 donation to the Children's Health Foundation. We're here with Rick Doyle of the London Knights Alumni Association, great uh, organization that is about to get even greater, if that's possible, with a very nice contribution to the community. Rick, tell us about it. Well, the uh, London Knights Hockey Club, in association with the London Knights Alumni Foundation, is re-upping our commitment to the Children's Health Foundation, and we're announcing it today, another $100,000 commitment to that organization. It's fantastic at this time of year to do that. I would say that is true, $100,000. Now, how is this collected, and and how is it in the big picture? Because it's only part of a big picture, right? Well, it is, and uh, when you have a look back over the last three years, and of course one of those years was a COVID year, 
the London Knights and the London Knights Alumni Foundation have given out more than $500,000 back into the community to support various organizations. But we're very pleased. This is one of our favorite organizations, obviously, the Children's Health Foundation. So we're helping families on a very stressful time uh, get through a, uh, a rather serious illness of a child. What a relationship between the Knights, the current Knights, the alumni, and this uh, Children's Health Foundation. I think people should know uh, how regular the visits are from the current players and what, the, um, w- you know, what that means. Well, how many smiles bring to a child's face when they see a London Knight come in with his jersey on and he's got some gifts for the kids? So it's those small things that really make the difference. It's the big things like this that get the profile, but the small things on a daily basis, like a visit to the hospital to see the kids from the current uh, London Knights hockey club is fabulous. You go up there and you watch the kids and the response from the kids when they see these players come in, outstanding. What a great smile. The best smile of all, especially, as you say, this time of year. Could you just give us a background on the Alumni Association? It's getting stronger every year, of course, because we graduate players. And what is it like uh, on a day-to-day basis, uh, activities for you? Well, uh, basically, we've got a, a board that's made up of uh, 10 people. Of course, uh, various uh, alumni are on that board. We have representation from every decade that the London Knights have been in existence. So uh, we've got that. We've got uh, Mike Lerner on the board from Lerner & Associates. Phil Griffin is our accountant. He just retired from Grant Thornton, so we've got the finance piece covered off. Dr. Bruck, Bruckschweiger, the team doctor, is on the board. And Bobby Martin, of course, uh, out with uh, Team Canada right now. And that, that's our board, and that's where all the decisions are made. And, of course, Mark Hunter sits on the board with us. So the hockey club has input into what the alumni is doing. And uh, we're really pleased, actually, with uh, the response we've got from the community with the Don Brankley uh, London Nationals, London Knights Hall of Fame. And, uh, of course, it's on the third mezzanine here at Budweiser Gardens, and we're very pleased. And come February 8th, there's going to be another class going this year. Okay, well, we will look forward to that, and everybody should check that out. Rick, congratulations on this. 100000 to the Children's Health Foundation and continued success. Happy holidays to everyone. Rick Doyle and Jim Van Horn talking about the London Knights Alumni Foundation continues to do incredible work in this community. Kyle, we'll talk Flint and Owen Sound on the next podcast and get set for the final two games before the holiday break. Really exciting stuff, and uh, yeah, the homestand going to be making its way towards an end, as you mentioned earlier. Their last home game coming uh, at home on the 28th before they go on the road on Friday, December 30th against Sarnia, but going to be exciting stuff. We'll preview those games and uh, a whole lot more, Mike. If you want to listen into the podcast, you can follow along with all the episodes on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, about globalnews.ca. We throw them on our socials as well. That is at Stubbs980 with two Bs, at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. And uh, Mike, looking forward to the next episode. Can't wait. Go Knights, go! Go Knights, go!